0: So I'm with Tanya and Dave from the Priory Inn in Tetbury, and they've uh, very nicely let me uh, come and interview them. Now, um, the the Priory is a bar, restaurant, hotel, and a chip shop, uh, which we'll find out a bit more about.
1: Yeah, yeah we that- prefer not to say chip shop. We say high-end classic fish and chips. Of course, <laughs>
0: Um, And I've I've been there on many occasions actually, Uh, the first time was for a company do uh, we had uh, in January, we came down, very much enjoyed the food, my child, my oldest Sam was with us and he very much enjoyed it that he wanted to do the same, exactly the same thing and come back for pizza for his birthday. So I've, I've come a few times and very much enjoyed it and the boys like coming back and making their own pizza. So thank you very much, I'm really interested to find out a little bit more about the business. Brilliant. Um. So Tanya, you, you sort of look after marketing, recruitment, training and a lot of other things? Yeah,
2: like well, well, definitely. I mean, we've got um, a family ourselves. So we've got a couple of um, lovely children, mm-hmm. 14 and 12, um, who take up much less time now. But I still work my job around sort of family life. So, um, yes, I am here five days a week um, and then kind of loosen off a little bit in school holidays and at the weekends. But when I am here, I focus very much on perhaps, um, well, Dave and I work very closely together on everything, really, but um, I guess I get mostly involved with the website, with kind of forward planning. So, you know, writing or getting our Christmas menus together at the moment, for example. Um, Really, already? Oh, yes. Yeah, we've already got some bookings. (laughs) Um, Recruitment, so, you know, I I think after um, how many, 12 years of being here, we've definitely got a, a kind of formula for finding the right people. Mm. Um, and then, of course, making sure that they're fully trained up. Um, part of my role is is the kind of early training for new joiners. So mm. inducting them into the company and the kind of higher level um, and um, and then working with them on such areas as, as, as making the perfect coffee, for example. Um, and then anything else that gets thrown at me by kind of sideways fashion um, from... Um, the Managing Director's office.
0: Ah, so that brings us to you, Dave. So you're the Managing Director owner. Um, Tell me a little bit about what you're doing.
1: Okay, well, uh, the exciting thing about this job is it's very varied and every day is is different and that's what I love about it. But in general, what what I do is, uh, uh, from the high-level side, the financial aspects of it, the boring accounting and that kind of stuff I, I do, as well as I have a, a major focus on uh, the kitchen, which is the engine room of the ship for a business like this, is to make sure that they're running at the peak of their performance and that uh, things are, are organized, clean, and that uh, the highest quality of possible. I do training, just like Tanya, in uh, different areas. Um, so I'm the lucky one who gets to do beers and wines. And then we also have a philosophy of lean thinking here, which is uh, a, a method of looking at your business where you systematically uh, reduce waste to improve the, the profitability and uh, how the product flows through through oh, the business.
0: Could you, would you tell me a little bit more about that?
1: Okay, well, lean thinking stems from, uh, initially, from, uh, like most people say, from Toyota production mm. system. That's I've heard it from. Yeah. Yes, I mean, it does go back further from that. Its roots go all the way back to uh, Ford's assembly line process about changing from kind of a cottage industry to more manufacturing but it is very focused on, on manufacturing. And I think we're a bit innovative in cutting edge to apply it to the kind of business we have. But at its, its essence, a restaurant is a manufacturing business. Mm-hmm. The goods arrive at the back door. We add value to it, uh, in, in, in analogous to, to manufacturing. Mm-hmm. We cook it and prepare it and everything. And then it flows to the customer and it's a complete fo- flow That's uh, started from and pulled through by the customer uh, themselves. So what lean does it's a way of thinking about your business where you you understand what the waste is in your business and you systematically endeavor to reduce that waste and to make the product flow more uh, effectively mm-hmm. so that your profit increases and your quality improves continuously.
0: And by waste, you don't just mean waste food. This could be wasted time, wasted uh, other materials and so
1: on. That's right. The lean definition of waste is very broad. It, what it is specifically, waste is anything that uh, the um, does not add value to the customer experience. Mm-hmm. So that means, you know, I often ask my staff, do you think payroll is uh, a value-added activity as far as the customer is concerned and they say yes because it's value added to them because they want to be paid mm-hmm. but the customer is not particularly interested in how or when we pay our, our employees or even if we pay our employees I guess <laughs> overall they do but
2: which we do by the we way do yes yeah. yeah, so, um,
1: but it doesn't add to their experience so what's value-added for this uh, customer are the things that they want to pay for directly the things that we change and the things that we get right the first time. Because mm. if you don't get it right the first time, you destroy the value in it.
0: Yeah. How, how long have you been in business?
1: Uh, here, we've been uh, yeah. we've owned the Priory Inn for about 12 and a half years now, actually. And how so, much,
0: much change? When did you bring in the lean um, aspect of things? And how much the, change have you seen since
1: then? The, the lean aspect came in about three years ago. Right. So, uh, a bit earlier than that, we took a long, hard look at our business and saw things that we were very, very proud of. But we also saw things that were opportunities for improvement, to put it in a nice way. And so what we started doing is measuring our quality. So if you dine with us, uh, you sit down at a table with your bill, you will get a customer survey. It's not like the common card that you get at TGI Fridays or something like that, where you have a couple of meaningless questions Mm -hmm. and gets tossed in the bin on the way out. It's a proper customer survey, and about 10% of our uh, customers... 10 to 12% of our customers complete those. It is good. Because our our customers uh, understand, we have a high repeat factor, but they understand that we track the quality uh, statistically so we can see from week to week how we're doing up and down and everything on that. But once we started tracking the quality, which is unusual in the uh, uh, hospitality and the restaurant business, particularly in the non-corporate side, um, we identified areas that we thought we could improve. And then in sitting back and having thinking about how can we do this and how can we improve, uh, we felt that we needed a structure, mm-hmm. a system uh, to do that. And the, the structure that after a lot of research and a lot of uh, um, you know, look, inward looking, mm-hmm. uh, I, we found that lean matched what we were doing. And so that's when we started uh, applying Lean, and Lean has helped us to, to be a, an, an effective organization and helped us uh, to um, really improve the business. It's got its challenges in this uh, environment. Is one of the things is we have fantastic, uh, happy, great service staff, but they're they're so good because. They kind of fly in from all over the world, primarily Australia, New Zealand, uh, some South Africans and things like that, um, and they deliver good service. Mm -hmm. But their priority is uh, really to experience the culture and, in fact, move on to other places. Mm -hmm. So retention, uh, although our our employee turnover, I believe, is less than many, if not most of uh, other restaurants, uh, retention is is certainly a, a, a challenge because the concepts are not easy to grasp. Mm. They're not something they they require training and uh, they require uh, you know taking the concepts of lean deep into the culture. But if you have people who are interested in working with you for six months, it's hard for them to get up to speed with the techniques and mm. understanding. Yeah. it
0: I'd imagine this must prove a bit of a challenge.
2: Well, I've, actually, it's quite interesting because. Um, You know, Dave and I have our discussions about lean quite regularly, Um, and in my opinion, lean is about is about us understanding the concept and about us trying to get our management team to understand the concept. Mm -hmm. But you know, your lovely bar wait staff, who, as Dave said, are very very good with customers, they don't need to necessarily, in my book, understand exactly why they're doing it. What they need to understand is that it's much it's really important for them not to be making a zigzag across the restaurant mm. um, when they could go in a straight line you know so if we can get any of them to come up and this is what kind of one of our repeated things throughout meetings and so on with our staff is for them to to look at their workplace and continually think about whether or not it really works or whether there are little sparks of ideas that they've got in their heads which would improve things and actually you know, over the years that we've been trying to push this through, um, we have had some great ideas come back, you know, and then, and then people feel kind of much more bought into a business yeah. and that they're valued and that, you know, we all, we all want to be valued. We all, we all want somebody to say thank you and, and they really appreciate that. So if they get a great idea going and they see it implemented, I think, you know, job done. We're doing better as a business and, and they're feeling like they've really contributed.
0: Yeah, I think the fact that they not only can come up with the idea but they can just see the idea work and, yeah. and hopefully be successful. I mean, yeah. not every idea is going to be successful, but I'm sure you know seeing it out there, seeing happier customers or making life easier for them or, you know, a mixture of benefits, I think that must be really satisfying.
2: This is actually.
0: Um, so tell me about this strawberry and blue cheese pizza. <laughs> I saw it on your Twitter feed, and I guess you mentioned it um, in, in our, um, when we talked before, but it sounds like an interesting concept. I like blue cheese, I like strawberries, I'm, I'm not quite sure about how they go together.
1: Well, it's
0: that one of the staff ideas?
1: It was actually. It was brought to me, and somebody, one of our members of our staff, said, "Try this pizza. You know, just uh, don't think about it too much. Just try it and eat it." And I tried it, and it was absolutely fantastic. And I was blown away so much so that we immediately put it on the menu. Mm. Um, and the interesting thing was uh, that probably unsurprisingly, it did not have a massive growth, right, a massive hit right away. However, it's had such a steady growth over time that it's now one of our best-selling pizzas. Really? It Mm. is. And uh, because we have a 30-mile food zone, which I'm sure we can discuss later, um, we're very seasonally focused. So unfortunately, the strawberry pizza isn't on year-round. But we start getting inquiries about the strawberry pizza in late April, early May, mm-hmm. and people in advance saying, "When is the the strawberry pizza uh, coming back?" So it's on in full force at the moment, and it is a fantastic pizza, and you can't really describe why it is mm-hmm. until you actually try it, and but, it's worth a try.
2: But also, I mean, one of our the, one of the ways that we try and in, one of the things that we try and instill in our staff is that when a customer has a question about availability of something. The, the answer can never be no okay so you know normally in a pizza restaurant you would expect to see the lovely old hawaiian mm-hmm. somewhere there which is one of dave's absolute i
1: despise the <laughs> concept
2: one of dave's absolute lowest points of the pizza world and um but of course rather than say sorry no we don't do that what we say is and actually there's different fruits that we work through the season so in the summer we don't actually have a hawaiian however we really have this most amazing use of strawberries in the summer and so try that or pears in the autumn Mm. you know and so you know it just it it kind of um it works to everyone's advantage really you know we're buying locally for the reasons that we're going to talk about and um and and the the taste is seasonal
0: well and i'd imagine a lot of people might go for hawaiian i I do fancy hawaiian myself i must admit (laughs) Um, is because you know what it, it, you've got an expectation about what you're going to get, and, 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 and mm-hmm. with the confusion that you sometimes get with uh, you know um, so much on offer, it's easier to just go for what you know. But actually, if you can help them move out of that and experience something new in a comfortable way, I think mm-hmm, that, that people are probably happy with that. That's
1: the way people try the strawberry pizza, exactly what Tanya says. Is, is people say, I'd like to have uh, pineapple, and uh, someday we might have pineapple if global warming goes in the right direction. But I think that you know, offering something that's analogous is a lot easier for people to try than if people walked in and said, I'd like a pepperoni pizza and say, well, how about this strawberry one? It's, it's not going to, to work. You know, our rhubarb pizza we have mm. on is quite similar. Is People never think, oh, rhubarb, that's a you know, strange thing on the pizza. And
2: well, I didn't either, actually, but it's mm. fantastic. It is.
1: Oh, so it's a white-based pizza with rhubarb, and that's because uh, one of our other programs, which is Barter at the Back Door... Uh, a woman just brought several kilos of rhubarb in, and we said, We've got to do something with this. And we created a rhubarb pizza,
0: actually. Well, we're talking a lot about that. Let's, let's just dive right in. So, you've got this um, 30 mile food zone policy where, um, well, you tell me about it to make sure I don't get it wrong. What, what is the policy and how does it work?
1: So, 12 years ago, uh, when we first started the restaurant, we knew that we wanted to serve local food. Mm-hmm. And the Cotswolds is the perfect place to do it because it's got fantastic food everywhere. But it was difficult for us because restaurants hadn't served local food. It wasn't. It didn't have the um, uh, you know cachet where now we actually expect local food on a menu, rather than are surprise that somebody could serve all local food. And so we had to drive around the countryside. If I saw uh, a sign that said a farm, I would drive up to the farmhouse, knock on the door, ask what they had to offer, and asked if they sell to restaurants, and people were reluctant to sell to restaurants because it was outside their comfort zone. Really? And also, mm-hmm. yes, they were, actually. And, you know, some restaurants had tried to buy things but weren't consistent in how much they bought okay. or yeah. weren't consistent in how what they paid. Mm. So what we decided to do was, it was about relationships mm. and making sure that we pay people promptly.
2: And delivery as well, because, of course, um, you know, even back, back then, 12 years ago, the farmer's markets were strong, um, and farm um, the, the kind of lo- local suppliers that we now work with they made their all their money from just going to one place once a week right. and then and then selling it. So um, the clear solution to that was that we would then drive to the farmers market once a week and pick up all the stuff that we order. Mm-hmm. So so that's what we've done for 12 years every Saturday.
1: That's right and or drive straight to the farms if they wanted so even today uh, this morning, I filled up the back of uh, our Prioryan van with about 300 kilos of flour from the Shipton Mill, which is two miles away from here, so that we can make our pizzas and bread, breads with that, and also to other uh, odds and ends around the area, too. About, uh, I'd say, seven years ago, the idea, maybe five to seven years ago, the idea of local food caught on. But every restaurant in the area was then saying, we do local food. Yeah. But they weren't actually, you know, they would have, maybe they'd have some local lamb, but it would have uh, spinach and mushrooms from France, or they would buy in their jus and their stock from wherever and everything. So it wasn't really what what we meant for local. So we said we have to define this so that the customer and the consumer can understand what it really means. So we drew a circle around Tepri that had a radius of thirty miles. Mm-hmm which covers a fair bit of business, yes, distance. As the crow flies. As the crow flies. So it goes well south of Bristol, touches into Wales, heads well into to Wiltshire, uh, Oxfordshire. But uh, but still, 30 miles is a small area. And I think 30 miles, uh, there is nobody who would debate whether it's local or, or not. Mm-hmm. And that's where the 30 mile food zone came from because we had competitors claiming to be th- uh, serving local food, but they would have, uh, you know, all kinds of things from all over the world. Yeah, and they weren't yeah. sharing that
0: information, perhaps as well. And that's yeah. something you you do. You have a, um, a newsletter, perhaps, uh, for want of a better word, on on your on your tables, which actually yeah. lists out every almost every ingredient, as far as I can see. Uh, pretty much, yeah.
2: We, we we definitely make a play of it. I mean, I think um, you know the 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 farms and the farmers and the the brewers and the cheesemakers and so on. They actually really like the fact that we. Um, we go out there and speak on their behalf, really, mm. and we we um, we make a statement that, this, that you know, we are buying from them and they should be exceptionally proud of the produce that they 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 sell us. And and we're very proud to sell it. So um, if we kept it all to ourselves, of course, it, it would kind of be a little bit of a pointless exercise. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could you could do you could go through and, and have the policy in place, but not tell anyone about it. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, what, and then what? Why I mean, that? I mean, yeah. the, the nice thing about this is not only do customers who care get to see that um, and maybe encourage other people to care, but also, as you say, the suppliers they're listed, they're named, so actually they have to. They love it. Yeah, they like that. They get some promotion, but also they have to keep make sure their quality is absolutely high because they're being named. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, actually, one of the the people that we buy a lot of cheese from, um, who's just recently become our. Um, mozzarella producer so all our pizza and mozzarella is made by this person she um she walked into the restaurant with me about must be about seven seven or eight years ago and we had at the time we had a blackboard which had our specials on it um and her one of her cheeses we were making into a soup so it was wholly smoked something or other soup mm-hmm. Up on this blackboard. And she literally grabbed my arm, looked at me with tears in her eyes. <laughs> it makes me quite emotional thinking about it actually, because it meant so much to her. She looked at me, and she said, I feel like I've won the lottery. You know, and that and that says it all. They care so much about, about being recognized. You know, they they put their family life into it, they compromise on holidays, they mm. you know, they work so hard. And for us as a restaurant, not to buy that food that's made so locally and 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 serve it to people is would be ridiculous.
1: Yeah, the other other thing too is the quality in general and more than general almost. Exclusive entirely, the quality is higher than if you bought a commercial product.
0: I was going to ask about that. Is there any, you don't have to make any compromises. You actually find that you get a higher quality.
1: Probably. We do get higher quality, yes. I mean, not all the, the time. and But one of the benefits that we have is we can work with our suppliers. Yeah. So if we're finding that there's variability in, in quality, we'll sit down with them and talk to them and say, okay, this is the issue. This is how, how can we work to, together on it? and uh in general you know we are always improve. not all the times there have been suppliers who we couldn't uh continue to to work with mm-hmm. but that happens very very rarely but most of the time the same supplier that tanya was talking about Liz Godsell, who makes our, our god cheeses um you know she made sold us about oh i don't know 10 kilos of cheese uh a week mm-hmm. and uh, we had a fantastic mozzarella supplier um, just at the edge of our 30-mile food zone, Shepton Mallet. But sadly, she was one of those farms that just didn't make it mm-hmm. in the end. So we were without a mozzarella supplier. And we do uh, three tons of mozzarella a, a year now. So we started asking our, our cheesemakers, including Liz Godsell, um, where you know do you want to make mozzarella and then they say oh yeah how much and they say three tons and they were like oh no but she took on on the challenge but it did take months to get the uh the recipe right for both of us that they could produce effectively and keep the quality they wanted to well. and that we could uh you know that would work for us on, on our, our pizzas and that took Many tries, many recipes, and and uh, in the end, we've got a fantastic product. You know, absolutely amazing. And it's
2: hand stretched. You know, there's no um, kind of fancy equipment that they yeah. use. They, she found out, um, you know, how the old-fashioned way of making it, basically, yeah. which didn't involve massive investment in new new machinery. Um, and now they literally, you you know, we've been there with our staff to watch it being made. And uh, I mean, it is it is hand stretched over broom handles. You know. Wow, <laughs> and they're and they're so proud of you know not only being able to put that a new cheese on their product list, but also they're now using up what, the cow's milk that they would have produced anyway. They're adding value to it, um, you know. So was that recent went. the
0: the tour there? Because I I'm, I'm sure I saw some pictures on your Twitter feed about that.
2: Yes. It, uh, when was it? I, not that long ago. Right.
1: A Couple Six, of months ago. Y-
2: yeah.
0: Do you do that a lot? Go and visit suppliers and.
2: Yeah, we try and do um, at least one a month, um, and that's sometimes trickier in the very busy months. But, um, you know, whether it's so in the in the wintry months, we'll go to the Cotswold Brewing Company, for example, yeah. and go and see how they make their lagers, or Yuli Brewery, which is our, our house ale.
1: The brewery ones are very popular yeah. among us. Yeah. The yeah, they like those. Know. Yeah.
2: Um, and and then the farms obviously make more sense that the the veg producers yeah. make more sense to go and see in July August when there's a lot going on um the mill you know that's a kind of any time of year mm. type thing so so yes we do we we love it um we the, the people who who come with us are that much more interested and engaged and they can then offer our customers much more of an experience because rather than just putting down a cheese board and walking away from the table you know the idea is that they will say, "Well, actually, I went to see this Godsell's place the other day, and we met the cows," and and then it brings the whole product alive and and does well, everyone just it's, justice.
0: it's uh, the story that they tell the customer is something the customer can then tell someone else, and yes, uh, and exactly. it's these little stories are quite nice. No, I, I think I think it's a great idea, and the fact that you can, um, I, I'm sure you're very busy, so to get time off for certain staff to go and do that is mm-hmm. is really good
1: it is a challenge i have to say but we <laughs> generally monday mornings is when we monday or tuesday mornings is when we go out with the staff and we visit the farms or the producers yeah. manufacturers so.
0: Uh, so coming back to that barter at the back door which you mentioned and uh, and this uh, edible front garden that you've got talk to me a little bit more about
1: that Okay, the bar at the back door kind of evolved because we thought, okay, we've got a good source of, uh, of stable suppliers, but we thought, how do we get even more interesting and my, more diverse produce in mm. it? And I can't remember which one of us came up with the idea. It was well, one, probably me. It probably was you, wasn't <laughs> no, it? No, it wasn't. It was yeah. you, actually. Um, but we thought, well, all these people have allotments in this town and gardens in and um, around their houses. And... So, and they often have gluts of things at different mm-hmm. times of the year. And a glut to them is just a little bit of extra interesting produce for us. So, what we did was we started actually advertising and publicizing and stapling posters onto uh, poster boards at allotments and things like that to say that we'll take your surplus, uh, you know, uh, um, a garden surplus and do something with it. And in exchange, we'll give you vouchers for the Priory Inn. Mm. So you can come to the Priory Inn and do that. And it has been phenomenally successful on many levels. On one level is we never know what's going to come through the door in the morning. (laughs) So I can tell you today, we got big, beautiful strawberries and just bursting with flavor. And that's great because they'll be on a pizza. The nice thing about that is the, the, the lady who picked it, she picked it at 10 o'clock, mm. and our first strawberry pizza went out at about 1 o'clock today, I think, 12.30, 1 o'clock. That's and it really had,
0: super fresh. So we had
1: strawberries that were in the ground, uh, on the plant this morning. Yeah. You know, and that happens to us a lot. Uh, we have an, another lady who brings beautiful salad leaves, and she just gets up in the morning, cuts the salad leaves, brings it in to us, and that'll be on plates right away. So again, you cannot beat the freshness aspect of it.
0: What do the what the chefs think of this? Do they they come mm-hmm. in with a glut and they haven't really planned for that, and they are thinking, well, actually, we can work we can work with this and put something else on the menu, or are you always that you're always able to to um take take those, these
1: food in.
2: Well, sometimes they say, "What's that?"
1: Yeah, <laughs> we got a tray of meddlers, and I think we all stood around and scratched our head for a while and Google did some it. Google searches <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and that. Um, but for the most part, they embrace it. You yeah. know, they because. The a chef's job uh, can often become repetitive mm. because you know you have a menu and we do specials every day and everything, but it gives a bit of excitement to the kitchen when new and interesting things come through the door, things that they hadn't thought of uh, of of cooking with before. You know We're just starting to get radicchio in uh, from a local farmer, not from a barter, but the radicchio is very unusual for around here. So we're talking about roasting and braising as well as salads and things like that, but that inspiration from the seasons—it's so incredibly seasonal, because you're you're taking what's there, the abundance of the moment, and it's as you go through the season, it changes. So right now, salad leaves, strawberries are lovely, and pretty soon we're just going to start getting. Uh, um, courgettes mm. coming through the door <laughs> yeah, in those. <laughs> humongous <laughs> quantities and in general we don't decline uh, you know if if we can use it we're not going to decline taking it yeah. so there, you'll see a lot of courgette recipes on the only thing I did decline, I do decline, is after Halloween, we do not accept pumpkins. <laughs> like, no pumpkins. Because they're the wrong sort of pumpkins, aren't they? They not, are really tasteless, like, those yeah. things. And just because people cut their jack-o'-lantern doesn't mean... But other than that, no. I mean, we get potatoes, we get uh, flowers, we yeah. get all kinds of But
2: things. it's also, you know, so for example, having masses and masses of strawberries at the moment and gooseberries... Um, which they they may not be able to use everything so they freeze it up and yeah, of course yeah. make it into a coolie on yeah. Christmas day and mm-hmm. so you know you can still actually serve strawberry strawberry some kind of sauce or pickle or something that has come from the 30 mile food zone but just a few months ago
0: and I, I love the idea that it's, it's another way of communicating with customers I mean they're both suppliers and customers but yeah, yeah. not, I mean, they, um, they may just come in and use the voucher on, on themselves, but I'd imagine they'd come in with other people and spend a bit more money. And, yeah. and, and, and then if, if they encourage them to come more often because they have a sort of a vested interest in it. Mm-hmm. I, I just love that approach. It's not, you know, you're not just expecting people to come in, pay money and disappear again. It's really uh, it's commun- bringing people into the community.
1: It is community. Yeah. That's the key word is that we really value our place in the community and so this is one aspect of it the 30 mile food zone is part of it the barter at the back door is part of it and we support local charities and things like that too but you know they it you're right how it brings other people in we've actually had uh well few people but we had one uh gardener from a very wealthy house and a big walled garden Mm -hmm. and he was bringing things in all summer and he Mm -hmm. built up enough vouchers that the entire staff of the house had their Christmas party with us. And and that was absolutely amazing. So, and, and it also works out, I mean, I'll be honest with you, it works out economically for us too. Because we're exchanging vouchers for what we do, so we're not uh, paying for distribution. We're not paying for a lot of other things. So the cost is actually for us is lower, and it's also a benefit for them. Yeah, it's not a direct
0: out of pocket where you're having to pay for this. You know, right. This is a swap effectively. Yeah. Exactly,
1: brilliant. and the benefit for the customer because if they were going to put those extra strawberries or courgettes on the compost heap. They have something of value for the work and the effort that they put into yeah, it. Yeah,
0: how nice for people as well, though. Yeah. So, you know, they've grown it, they've taken the care yeah. of it, and then you, you're you actually saying, yeah, this is good enough that we're, we're happy to cook cook within our restaurant. I think that's that must be really nice for them.
2: Well, it's also, you know, we've all lost a little bit of the old-fashioned charm, I think, haven't we, that, you know, um, there's it's, the world moves in social media and so on nowadays, and, and that whole just an, a yeah. physical exchange, you know, you, you bring something to us and, and then you'll get something really nice back is is kind of it's it's a nice way of doing business
0: and yeah you mentioned social media there how does um do you think the the 30 mile um food zone helps with that is that give you things to talk about because a lot of a lot of companies um uh, may not know what to say on social media you know they might be doing in the wrong way do you yeah. find that
2: helps um i think so um i mean i um I, I have a lot of follow i follow a lot of people on my twitter feed and and i actually find it very very dull when the only thing that you're seeing is um you know what is our our latest dish or don't forget to book for mother's day yeah. you know it's just yeah. a bit dry you yeah. know whereas and i try and avoid any of that stuff it's more about um so this is the latest staff tour or look what just came through the door at Bart at the back door or um it does it just provides more colour it's it's just another dimension i guess um you know in a slightly jaded twitter world <laughs>
0: You said uh, that you weren't getting on so well with Facebook. Um, Did I mention that? I, mention that? <laughs> <laughs> I can cut that out. Um, so, I mean, why? Why is that? Which 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 you're sort of prepared? Because there's obviously lots of different ones. We've got Twitter, yeah. Facebook, uh, Instagram, We've got Pinterest. Perhaps could work quite well. Do, yeah. What, do a bit of Pinterest. What's your favourite? Which ones work best for you?
2: Um, I think, I think because I'm I I don't come from that sort of background. I use the ones that I prefer to use. So it's a mm-hmm. personal preference rather than anything else um i've never got on with facebook personally so um the whole business aspect of facebook which drives me bononkers i've just completely (laughs) abandoned um and um instagram yes very colorful very visual um i do try and post um various things on instagram i haven't got many followers to be honest so i don't make that much of an effort twitter twitter's done really well for us and because we've now got twitter stargazy twitter um the priory and priory's got you know how many 1200 Followers, i think something like that so it's easy for us to retweet things um, yeah. from both businesses and hopefully get a bit more of a following um doesn't take up too much time you know i wouldn't i wouldn't be wasting i wouldn't be spending a lot of time on social media twitter is just that easy hit isn't yeah. it it just it's it's done within two minutes i think it, it helps them.
0: the fact you like it as well if you're comfortable using
2: yeah it. i think so
1: but it does get the message out i'm always astounded when you say oh i i you know, we we took a picture of whatever the strawberries came through the door or the meddlers or something, and you say, oh, that was retweeted a bazillion times, you know. That's yeah, an right. exciting thing. There's
2: no... Uh, yeah, I mean, people people, people engage with it. I don't think I've ever had a bazillion retweets. I'd love to think that I did.
1: Mm, yeah, the, the numbers It no, told me were quite No, high. no,
2: I might have been lying. Oh. <laughs> no, I, oh, no, it's not... You're not a Twitter man at all, are you? Um, no, the... I think the um, I don't know what my most successful tweet was. I can't I can't think. It might have been the um, the vote to have England play Iceland again. Actually, which we <laughs>
0: is that that was a recent one, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I know. I mean, you know, it's we we keep it fairly um, fairly simple. Really, it's not it's not it's not a time time waster for us.
0: Is there anything else you do? I and mean, You've got a website, which I think doesn't do you justice. I mean, you look at the website and then you come in. I mean, it's not it says everything correctly and you can book on there. I think you've got open table integration and that, yeah. and that worked really nicely. In fact, that's the first time I used it. How else do you communicate with people? Listening? Okay,
1: well, our marketing strategy is we've, we've got a, a very important relationship marketing uh, aspect to it. Because we are able to capture customer data. So we have a slightly different marketing strategy for the hotel rooms than we do for the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't believe in in spamming. We're not like uh, lots of other places that send you an email every week because we find that if you over communicate that the, the cost goes up and the response goes down. Yeah. But several times a year, I'd say probably about four or five times a year, we send an offer to our best customers, which always uh, turns out to be phenomenally successful you know and it really is just a little bit of information about what's going on and then we give our, our customers uh, re- repeat customers uh, a little bit of a thank you like uh, for example in our hotel rooms uh, we offer quite often free Prosecco on arrival mm-hmm. or an offer including dinner for the price of uh, uh, bed and breakfast rate, we'll throw in dinner for it too, at different times uh, of the year. Now, that is very quantifiable, measurable, mm-hmm. you cost this, you can see what you, what response responses you get. And we do a little bit of statistical analysis to make sure that it is, how much of that is incremental, mm-hmm. you know, I won't bore you with the dry statistics. Um, on the restaurant side, uh, it's a, a little more complicated, but we also do the similar things that we, both restaurants and stargazy, that we offer a, um, uh, uh, do an offer, give them information, helpful information. And again, it's the, the direct conversation is what seems to work best for us. Mm-hmm. So, Open Table, okay, that's a tool, but the important part is by using a restaurant booking system. We get the information from the customer. We do it responsibly so that uh, it's very easy to unsubscribe or tell us, I don't want your marketing information. And that's also really important to us because we don't ever want to be seen uh, you know, as, as spamming. So we've got you know thousands of people in our, our databases, but it's high quality. It's people who want to engage with what we're doing and not to just buying lists and shooting out uh, meaningless trite every Thursday afternoon. Yeah, because
0: you said, that, that ultimately will damage your reputation. It does. It doesn't it, help at all. It, 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 it might get you some short-term benefit, if, if at all, but they very yeah. rarely work that
1: way. No, it doesn't. And for example, with Stargazy, because we have less opportunity to capture data at the point of sale, uh, we have a, uh, a, a widget on the website where you can uh, sign up to be part of our uh, mailing list. And we have uh, a confirmation email that goes out that says, did you really want to do this? Please just mm-hmm. confirm. And although that database is not as large because it doesn't have uh, the history of uh, the restaurant or the hotel, it's very high quality. It's people who want to hear from us and who, who love the product. And it's, it's not tiny. It's, it's big and grows every single day, um, which I think is, is uh, fantastic and is amazing. Actually.
0: Yeah, that growth is, is useful. You know, you, a lot of people want instant customers or at least instant um, eyeballs or people yeah. engage with their brand or their company website instantly. But actually growing that slowly over time is going to be, um, you're going to have people who are a lot, um, build a better relationship. They're going to, it's going to be a stronger relationship and they're more likely to spend money mm-hmm. and more money with you.
1: Yes. Yeah, pr- Precisely. So that part of is, is a real key part of mm-hmm. our marketing strategy. The other thing that Tanya is absolutely fantastic on is uh, the public relations side. So we've had some, over the years, we've had some really important public relation hits in national newspapers or uh, glossies and things, which are all, all down to the hard work that, that Tanya does to, to make that happen. And that, although it's kind of lumpy, meaning you could have uh, two or three hits in a couple of months yeah. and then nothing for nine months or a year, when you do get uh, you know, picked up in a national or a glossy, it makes an immediate massive impact to the business yeah. on there. Um, so that's another pillar of our strategy. The advertising that we do is primarily uh, community based and is more in the support of the, the community than uh, trying to drive business through the door. So, for example, we have the local Tepri advertiser, which is managed and sponsored by the Lions Club, and they do an amazing job in this town uh, as a charitable organization. Um, so, we advertise with them you know, to get word about, out about things in, in the community. But also as much just to support the the Lions Club. The barter at the back door, we put an advertisement every month in the the Tepri advertisement advertiser just to remind people that we're here and that's what we do and everything. But that's a real word of mouth thing too, you know, is gardeners talk to each other and you know, they send stuff over to us so
0: it's from what you're saying it's not really any one particular one um, method or, or s- channel is driving all the traffic although some may drive more at any time it's the combination of all of them working together yeah i'd
1: say you know the if you look at the three key strands you know the direct marketing email marketing you know the advertising and pr those are probably the three key things and plus the the um, uh, social media stuff that that tanya does which as you probably picked up as uh, mainly twitter based and probably not the most important of all our channels uh, on there but i'm also i'm a strong believer that the most important thing is the product mm. you know and if the product is right and the product is good then the people who do the marketing for you will be the, your customers and that's that's what we do we have a, an extremely high repeat factor and i know that because when we survey the. The, the customers, we ask them how often they visit us in, in the past. And, uh, you know, uh, almost exclusively people have been with us three or more times uh, on the, those surveys. And maybe it's too, the, true that people who come one time are not likely to fill out a survey, but we still get plenty of people who do, mm. you know. So the, the, um, the repeat customer thing is the core of, of what our customers are about.
0: Yeah, and I must admit that um, I, I don't often, uh, I mean, I like food. I'm very interested in, in how restaurants work. But I don't often um, seek to tell lots of people about it unless it's particularly good. And I have. I mean, we've, we've mentioned um, the primary to a lot of our friends. And, you know, they, they've just not seen it. They've not, they they've live in the area and there's other places they see. But sometimes mm-hmm. until you know somewhere, you don't see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. um, and so then now they're going to they're gonna try it. And I think it, it's just, as you say, getting the product right getting mm-hmm. getting us uh, and working towards getting it better at each and every time you know through your lean yeah. processes
2: i mean i think the visibility is uh, is crucial um, you know physical visibility and and it was funny um, up until we revamped the front garden you know, it would be amazing how many times you come across somebody and and they say oh the prior end, yeah 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 i've driven past you so <laughs> often and never come in you know and and so when we Inherited, we bought the priory in twelve years ago. It was a very different proposition back then, and the the front garden was your classic kind of pub with slabs, paving slabs, and yeah. um picnic tables, and and what have you.
1: And all the plants were whatever was on sale at the garden centre that week, yeah, if they were still
2: alive, you know. So it it was just a it was a pub garden and. Um, that was definitely, I think, my idea. No, it was your idea. It was, um, you know, that we had. We that was our. That's a bat, massive selling point for us because it's so on that front road, and um, you know, we needed to turn it in something that was kind of eye catching mm-hmm. and made people think, well, yeah, you know, that's that's interesting." Um, and I think we've kind of, you know, work in progress for sure. But um, you know, we came we 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 spoke to a lot of garden designers, landscapers and so on, and kind of none of them really hit the spot because they were all, well, to be fair, as perhaps we all do this in business, but they wanted to promote themselves. Yeah. You know, they saw this as a great opportunity for them to say, I did the garden at the Priory Inn. And so the client kind of requirements were getting a little bit lost in, in, in that journey. And then somebody said to us, have you heard of... Um, Jekka McVicar, um, she's like Queen of Herbs, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she works over at, she's got a place over near Bristol. Um, now, we're not particularly celebrity followers, so we'd never heard of her, first of all. And second of all, we are a little bit kind of reluctant to go down the celebrity route, you yeah. know, not that... Bothered about it.
1: Well, we we definitely thought we couldn't afford it. Was
2: but um. So anyway, we ended up going over to see her and m- came across somebody who is exceptionally down to earth and loves is passionate about herbs. And we said, well, look, you know, somebody else said to us, well, you'll never be able to just do herbs out there because it won't be in colourful enough. It won't, you know, it won't be strong enough as a visual and all the rest of it. All this bullshit that <laughs> was coming out so she said well that is absolute rubbish because you're going to have year-round you know cover this that and the other and so she convinced us that it was the right thing to do her place is actually beautiful and she came up with a, a planting scheme mm. um and then two two springs ago i think we spent that winter basically um hard landscaping and getting the the the, the, the structure right and the bed's right, and then she said, you know, you've got to spend the next six months getting your engine working, so we had to just dig a whole load of old compost through the, through the soil and get that ready for, for the planting. We just adored, when we went to her place, these huge, great big prehistoric thistle, cardoony-type things, and she. And so, yeah, we, we want some of those in it. Um, and now, um, I think, and it's difficult to see it for the first time yourself, but when I drive through or past. I think it looks pretty impressive you know yes. it's it's eye-catching um if nothing else people will notice it because it's different
0: yeah. you know and, and it's, it fits in very much with your policy your ethos and the way you want to do things yeah whereas a lot you're saying a lot of this um other designers wanted a lot of color in there and so, but actually you don't need color to have something that's striking No. i mean and so a lot of herbs do have a lot there's a lot about them and they, they can look very pretty very nice and really yeah. bushy
2: and yeah and actually it's the same with the food you know we didn't we don't want to be about um, froth with no substance yeah. you know and the the well, garden... what is it about
0: froth and, and <laughs> the foam that chefs made. i <laughs> well, never understood
1: that thank goodness that that <laughs> thing is passe you know there's goes to the wild there are plenty of places in the Cotswolds where we'll give you a little pile of froth and charge an arm a leg <laughs> for uh-uh. You know. but I mean for us the concept of the food is like the concept of the garden you know it's 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 about where we are. It's about the Cotswolds. It's about the flavor. It's about combining you know local produce with uh, with the the creativity of our chefs. What it's not about is somebody putting sauce dots and spending four hours turning potatoes into tiny little perfect geometric shapes. It's about actually tasting the potatoes that are growing and actually tasting the the vegetables. That's what it is. So, you know, we like to, to say that, uh, you know, it's, it's a product that is genuine and stems from the seasons. Mm. Mm. And the, and I mean, chefs are, uh, uh, I'm saying this because I am chef, but chefs always want to try new things and distant things and things like that. But having the 30 Mile Food Zone, just to come back to that, Gives them parameters to really focus their creativity, and what comes out of that, I think, is better than if you say, "Well, I can get, you know, blood oranges from Israel, and I can get whatever from South Africa."
2: Or if you just strive to be an AA rosette, rosetted star restaurant. Don't
1: get me started on rosettes. (laughs) I've been to some awful rosette places, and I say, I can't believe the AA has they have a lot to answer for with their rating system but
0: actually that's probably not a challenge now because you can probably get any food you want from anywhere at any time so yeah. it's, it's, the, the challenge isn't, isn't not what you can do actually having this restriction there's the challenge let's it make takes. it with yeah, the, definitely with the food that we can get at this time of year yeah, yeah.
2: although if, the seasons have extended a little bit with the polytunnels that people yeah. you know grow in now um but our f- the first chef that was kind of on board with us when we introduced the thirty mile food zone it wasn 't a good day for him, was it when we told no. him that he had to draw a circle around Hebri and only buy from within there you know he's kind of hit his jaw hit the floor yeah. really um you know, but actually since as time's gone on, we get better chefs because of it because they're now interested and they and they see it as a real challenge, and they want to work with authentic food
1: mm. yeah, and they want to go to the farms, they want to meet the farmers, they want to see. You know, the milk, where the milk is coming from, for the, and the cream, they want to they want yeah. to touch and feel that. They want to be, you know, as, as we do, they want to be a part of something that's more meaningful than just picking up the phone 11 o'clock at night and barking down an order to an answer phone for a national supplier. Yeah.
0: Just before we finish off, we've mentioned the chip shop a few times. Um, this is stargazing now, this is next door to, to the Priory Inn. Mm, uh, just tell me a little bit about how that came about uh, very briefly and, and
1: why you know why, why run the two separately well over the years that particular um, shop at the end of our building has been so many things when we bought it the previous owners had visions of turning it into a kebab shop which they weren't successful and before that it was a chinese takeaway and before that it was actually a, you know your your basic chippy yeah. uh, there. So as things changed uh, through the years, we had uh, partners who were doing beauty salons there and we had a, uh, my offices were there briefly and everything. Uh, and the, the last lady who did a beauty salon there, she left to pursue other interests. So we had the space empty and Tanya and I were having lunch and I said, said to her, did you hear the rumor around town that we're going to turn it into a chippy again? And Tanya said, "Well, what a good idea! But well, let's do it properly. <laughs> let's do it right, you know." So the rumor proceeded reality in this this case. Um, so we, you know, we thought about it a lot, and we visited a lot of chip shops, and we were extremely disappointed with the quality of what you got. And uh, so we said, "Okay, what we need to do is make some fundamental changes." And one of the key things that we do there, which people do find difficult to understand sometimes, is we cook the fish to order. So when we will not cook anything unless somebody says, I want to eat that piece, piece of food. Mm. And over this, this year of first doing it, we've gotten better and faster at doing it so that the food still comes out very quickly because time is actually very important to everybody too. So nobody wants to stand around and wait for their food. So the food comes out now, I think now pretty close to the same, at the same speed as the kind of place that'll cook the, you know, plenty of chippies will cook all their fish at 4.30 in the afternoon. And then they'll just sit under a heat lamp until they close, uh, yeah, whatever, nice at o'clock. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so that does definitely doesn't enhance it. And, no. uh, you know, the, the taste of the fish disappears and everything like that. So is for us, it's sustainably sourced fish, good, high quality fish, we make our own batter, and the batter includes uh, shipton mill flour and Cotswold premium lager. So the fizziness of the lager makes an extra crispy batter. Oh, is
0: that what it does? I didn't realise because a lot of yes. here that lager's been put in it or beer. So well, beer is
1: awful for uh, is for batter, and that's you know one of the problems is you get a lot of pubs and they say, oh, we've got uh, beer, you know local beer, ale, yeah. but you know, but the ale does nothing but add colour um, to right. it. Because what makes a crispy batter is the fizziness. So our batter has, uh, you know, the uh, Cotswold Premium Lager because it's got a great flavour, but it's also got the fizziness that gives that that crispiness to the batter.
0: So just to finish off, um, could you give me two marketing tips or two things that work well for you in marketing that you'd recommend other people, other businesses look at?
1: Well, I don't know if this is a marketing tip or not, but I think the first thing you have to do is you have to make sure your product is absolutely right, the highest quality that it can be. So like like we said before. But I guess the marketing tip that that I I would use was you know is our philosophy of talk to your customers, but don't spam them. Don't over talk to them. Don't, you know, con you know, communicate with them. Uh but if you don't have anything to say, don't just throw something out on a Thursday afternoon
2: and i think over the last 12 years you know we've obviously gone through some interesting times um globally and within the the economy and um the first point that you made i think has seen us through really because in in the difficult times when perhaps there are other places and this has happened um are closing um we have you know called our people together and said we have to now be extra specially good at what we're doing we have to keep our heads down we have to focus on what we're doing we mustn't be distracted by the new guy that's opened up the street or the fact that that place is closed down Mm. it's about us and it's about us doing the very very best that we can and if and that that focus i think that kind of driven focus on on quality and service has seen us through some really tricky times and we'll you know clearly in the months ahead we'll hopefully do the same
0: so how can we find you? You're on the web, theprioryin.co.uk. Yeah, apparently
2: it doesn't do us justice,
0: though. <laughs> I don't. <know>. <laughs> some, some <laughs> it's a fine website. All the information is there, but you know, when you come, when it, you come in and in, enjoy your food, I just think there's so much more that you can. Could... Well,
2: watch this space because you know we agree, we absolutely agree, and um, I think you know we've we've got some some plans to also. To, to join up a disconnect that we've got at the moment we 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 love our food we're always improving we love our food we love our service but actually we don't feel that the the the, the inside of the restaurant also does us justice so the website and where you're sitting where you're eating what you're touching um no! i love
1: the fire in the middle there we, we won't going. be
2: getting rid of that, that but you know everything else we're gonna we're gonna have a freshen up
1: and major it's major refurbishment and it's gonna be the, very exciting yeah. we're cool. very excited about that so watch this space that's for sure so, but oh, I think it? think the website you're you're absolutely right, um. But I'm really excited to get teeth sunk into making something special out of that too. Yeah,
0: good good to hear. Um, and you're on Twitter at the Priory Inn at the Priory and I'll put links to all of these. I'll put show notes together for this. Is there anything else you'd like to promote?
2: No, I mean, you know, if you're thinking about Christmas Day, book now.
0: <laughs> yeah, we <we're laughs> book you know, early. We yeah.
2: really do fill up. We could, you know, we could double the size of this place and and still be busy on Christmas Day. Um, which is so exciting because, you know, uh, 12, 12 years ago, it wasn't like that. You know, you'd be kind of biting your nails at the beginning of December. October? You're too late. With You're too late. It's amazing. That must
0: be a nice feeling to have.
2: Yeah, it's fun. You know, actually, it is fun. And all the staff that work, um, because they're generally, um, they're, they're living here as well as working here. So um, it's the only night of the year that we actually close the doors at, whatever, 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon when all the Christmas lunch mm. customers have gone after their open fires and then we set the restaurant up for um a big christmas dinner for our staff so that's the only night of the year that the bar's closed the restaurant's closed and it's party time
0: lovely well thank you tanya dave thank you very much for your time good to speak to you and uh yeah look forward to seeing this online